Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Now, I know there are several educators here. There are several individuals here that have been educated. You've been in school. And probably every individual here, in some way or some form, you've been on what would be referred to as a field trip, right? You ever go on a field trip before? Maybe you led a field trip? I remember like when I was like growing up, we would have these times outside of the classroom. And it was cool because that meant there were no tests. That meant the homework wasn't due, all that kind of stuff. You could kind of, I mean, you're going to get out of the classroom and you're going to go do something. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're going to get to enjoy it. There, growing up in Tupelo, sometimes we would go down to Ballard Park, which was just a city park, and we would talk about nature or those kinds of things. Every now and then we'd take a, a greater road trip. We'd go up to Memphis, maybe. They'd have a Ramesses exhibit where we'd go see mummies and those kinds of things that we had talked about in the classroom. Or maybe we'd go over to Huntsville, Alabama, and we'd see uh, the Space Center that was there so that we could understand what they were doing. And even if we were so blessed, we would get to go down to the birthplace of Elvis Presley there in Tupelo. I'm not sure what kind of educational value that had, but we understood our heritage a little better there in North Mississippi. But we'd go on these field trips. They were designed to reinforce what had been covered in the classroom. In other words, somebody had been teaching all this time, and it was just kind of one of those deals, let's go out and let's see it firsthand, and perhaps that will impress it upon your heart. You'll remember it, and you'll think about it. And to be honest, I remember... Most of those field trips, probably more than I do the classroom experience itself. Well, as we get to Luke chapter 8, specifically as we look at verse 22 and following, this is what I refer to as a field trip with Jesus. Jesus has been teaching his disciples. He's been teaching his students. He had called them to follow him. And now it's like he takes them off on a field trip. Specifically in this section, he's been teaching them. He's been uh, explaining to them about the kingdom and about how people come to the Lord. He's been, he's been teaching them and having a busy day, as they call it. So now he takes them out to show them exactly what he's been talking about. He takes them out to experience the lesson. He takes them out on a field trip. So I want you to join, if you will, with me this morning in Luke chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 22 as we see the field trip start, okay? And there are going to be several scenes. Actually, we're going to look at four scenes or four stops along the way. But verse 22 gives us that first stop on the field trip. It says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they 
obey him. So here's the field trip. Classroom experience, teaching has been done. The bus pulls up and what happens? You get off of the bus and you get into a boat. And Jesus says, we're going to take this boat across the lake, the Sea of Galilee. He says, we're going to take it across. We're going to get to the other side. And, of course, they get in, and some of these who were fishermen, they knew exactly what to do and how to prepare and to get the boat ready. And they began to, they began to make their way. The Bible says they launch out. It says, in the process of this, Jesus is tired. I told you this has been a busy day. Again, that's how New Testament scholars refer to this day in Jesus' life. I believe every day was a busy day for Jesus. But they specifically describe this day as the busy day. When he's been teaching and he's been ministering to people. When you teach and you minister to people, you can get tired. Even when you preach on Sunday mornings, you can get tired. No matter what your daddy may think, you can get tired. So Jesus was tired and he took a nap, the Bible says. And see, this is one area of my life where I can conform to the image of Christ, I think, the best. There are moments where you just take a nap. And Jesus took a nap. And it says that while Jesus took a nap, nature itself awakened. And then what you see is a storm that comes down upon the lake. This is going to be an amazing truth as you think about it, as you work through it. Because here Jesus is. He takes these disciples on a field trip. And the field trip is right in the middle of a storm. He decides the best way to teach his disciples is to take them through the storm. Now see, I believe Jesus knew what was going to happen, okay? I believe Jesus knew what was going to happen here in the Sea of Galilee. I believe he knew what he was going to face. And Jesus directed them to put the boat in and to go to the other side. What we're told about the storm, as you look, it says that the storm was strong. Verse 23 says that when he fell asleep, the windstorm came down on the lake. Windstorm. I looked that word up. It can literally be translated squall, or it can even be translated like hurricane in the original Greek. It was a strong, strong storm. Now, we are told that Matthew and Mark, that they record this same event, right? I love being able to read the different perspectives. All true, but yet coming from each and one's own perspective. And what Mark tells us is that this is a storm. He uses the same word in the original language, but he follows it with a word called megale in the Greek. Mega, mega. You ever heard like mega? means big. Not only did Luke say that it was a hurricane capacity storm that came at them, Mark says it was a big hurricane kind of storm. And even Matthew, Matthew uses the word seismos, seismos. You ever heard of a word that is familiar or, or akin to that seismos of the Greek? Seismology, perhaps, that will uh, register the idea of earthquakes and what... Because it's like the boat was shaking so much that it was like an earthquake. So I say to you that all these gospels, they bring to us a picture that it was a strong, strong storm. And it was a sudden storm. 
I mean, it was a storm that just, here Luke says, it came down on them very quickly. Like it just happened. Uh, Mark, Matthew, they will, again, agree with this. They will remind us. Matthew says, and suddenly. In other words, it was like without any type of warning, the storm came down. Now, the Sea of Galilee was like in a basin. It was surrounded by these hills and mountains. So it was so easy for a storm to just sweep across the mountaintop into that lake without any type of warning. It's hard to imagine any type of warning today, especially with all the technology that we have. Hey, I I don't want to knock my dad too much today, but I just say to you, I, I don't know if I would ever get shocked on weather with my dad around. Why? Because my dad keeps up with the weather in every place, not only North Mississippi and North Louisiana. He can almost tell you the weather in Cairo, Egypt today. <laughs> he watches the weather. He, I mean, every time, I'm like, the news comes on like at 435 6 o'clock, again, a little later. And he watches all the different news in the evening. He watches it in the morning. And if I call him, he said, hey, you know a front's coming toward you all right now. I said, yeah, I kind of heard about that. He said, well, you know, like they are talking about some bad stuff over in Monroe. And y'all are pretty close to Monroe, right? Aren't you pretty cl-? Yeah, Daddy, if you come down more often, you'd probably know how close we are. But anyway, <laughs> he... Uh, He'd say, hey, you know, you got this weather and this and this is coming. I mean, he knows. I don't, any of you got parents or grandparents like that? They can tell you everything about the weather. You would think a parent or a grandparent would have called them and said, watch out on the boat because there's a storm coming. It didn't happen. It was sudden. It was like, boom, there it was. It came down on them. And they were rocking. And this storm this storm was strong, and it was sudden, and it was severe. Some of you say, well, strong and severe are the same thing. No, no, no. Severe in that it, it is dangerous, and it is about to cause some major, major damage, not only to the ship, but the disciples believed it was, it was going to cause damage to them. Look again in verse 23. It says, they were filling with water. In other words, it was like their boat was going down. The waves were so much that they were they were just about to capsize it was back and forth it was this earthquake type of force and water was filling the boat and they there was and they were in jeopardy or in danger look at their response verse 24 it says master master could be translated captain captain we are perishing captain you're you're the captain of this ship You're sleeping, and we are perishing. The word perishing, if I were to translate it, I would translate it, we are being destroyed. We are being destroyed, and you're sleeping. Captain, won't you do something? Captain, can't you do something? Strong, sudden, and severe. You know, I was working through that in my life and and in my own uh, application and who I am and thinking about the storms. And obviously, this is a literal storm, right? This is not just some metaphorical storm. This is like a literal storm that hit them on the Sea of Galilee as they were going across. And for many of us, 
we, we know what storms and strong, sudden, severe strong storms can be like. Louisiana has unfortunately got its share of storms through the years. Even since I've been over here, I'm afraid that I'm a little bit of a magnet sometimes. I moved to South Louisiana two weeks, basically my first Sunday, I should say it this way, at First Baptist Zachary was August the 21st of 05. And Katrina came through, what, eight days later. And wow. Wow. Now, we were in the Baton Rouge area, and we did not get the full brunt, obviously, of the damage. But being in such a close proximity and thinking about the days after that, people would come to my office, and they would say, hey, we heard on the radio that if we can send some buses down, maybe we can help people. And we had some buses. And then, listen, I hope you know my heart. I'm all about helping. So I was like, send the buses. Let's do whatever we can. Well, they'd get there, and of course, and they'd get turned around because it was so chaotic. It was so crazy that they'd say one thing, but it wasn't really what could help and all of this. And we felt so helpless, but just to see Katrina. And then, what? Just a, a few days later, literally, there was another storm that occurred. And while most of us remember Katrina, I would tell you that those in southwest Louisiana would probably tell you about a, about a lady named Rita that came through and destroyed so much. And then, since I've been here again, so many other moments. When I was in Baton Rouge, I believe it was 08 or so, Gustav came through and just totally pummeled us in the Baton Rouge area. May we come a little closer to home. May we come just a little bit closer to where we are today. And in a few weeks, we will celebrate the anniversary unfortunately, of the Rustin tornado, which came through so strongly, so suddenly, so severely. Some of you remember that. We were in bed that night, going to bed. My dad hadn't called me. <laughs> Nobody had called. You know why? Because my dad had gone to bed at 7 o'clock. Telling him he's got to start staying up later. Watching over his youngin', you know? But we went to bed. There was no type of idea that there was going to be that severe. Usually you get a heads up. And then only until I heard my phone go off. Some of you didn't even get that type of alarm, perhaps. But the alarm went off, and, you know, I looked and saw. And uh, what did I do next? I actually went to Facebook. I wanted to see what you all were saying. I figured I had some members on Facebook. I think you stay on it all night long. No, no offense, no offense. Just wanted to see what you were saying. Thankfully, you were saying some things, and thankfully, you were following one of the local news outlets. And I could go on Facebook Live and watch one of the local news uh, weathermen, and I could see what it was saying. I remember, I remember the panic of it, in a sense, because they said, this guy said, it is going across the te tech campus right now. Take cover. Take cover. Well, we had brought the kids down, and we kind of had them around the closet. And I went to my door, and I opened the door. And uh, I know you're going to think it's unbelievable, but I could hear something. Maybe it was in my mind. But it sounded like a train or something coming. And all I know is I went back, and I said, hey, we, 
we, we, get the kids. She, Leslie said, get them in the closet. Yes, now get them in the closet. <laughs> it's coming. I tell you, it was a frightening time. And even afterwards with the devastation to our city, uh, not only the homes lost, but the lives that were lost of Kendra and Remington Butler and hosting that service here as, as we did right after that. And I, I think about how the storm literally can come so strongly and so suddenly and so severely. And here they are out in the boat. They don't have any modern technologies. There's no place to run and hide. There's no help necessarily that they can see except the one who is sleeping, the captain, Jesus. Storms come. And there are literal storms that come. And may I remind you that storms can come even when Jesus is in the boat with you? See, there are some preachers out there that tell you, you follow Jesus and everything's going to be great and you'll never experience a storm. Those things won't happen. I tell you that that is a false prophecy that is being promulgated on television and other places because the scripture shows us clearly that you can still go through a storm even if Jesus is in the boat with you. As a matter of fact, those who are trying to propagate such a message, is not, they are not helping anyone. Because what we need to do is to realize that, yes, for us as believers, we can have Jesus in the boat and the storm can still come. But it's how do we deal with that storm? Because, yes, it is a literal storm that can come in our lives. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We don't have to bring forth <coughs> symbolic storms or metaphorical storms. We can just talk about the physical storm. We can still see the scar that goes right through the heart of Rustin. Just drive into the very heart of the city itself and you will see a scar that we bear. So we understand that literal storms can come. And here they are facing literal storms. But I want you to go past it because what I want you to hear is their heart of desperation. They believe that disaster is upon them. Don't forget that some of these disciples are fishermen. Some of these disciples are experts in boating. They are experts on the lake. Even at night, I believe this happened in the evening according to the gospel, uh, the gospel accounts that we have. So they usually went out fishing at night. They were aware of the sea. They were aware of boating. And still, still with all of their expertise, what do they come and do? They come and say, Jesus, we are being destroyed. We are being destroyed. Mark actually tells us that they add a caveat to this. Mark says that they come and say, don't you care that we are being destroyed? Don't you even care? There may be moments in your life where the storms have blown. There could have been literal storms. Or there could have been the symbolic storms, the metaphorical storms, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical storms that had blown in your life. And you knew Jesus was in the boat with you, and you kind of didn't understand because Jesus, I mean, he's the captain. Why would he take you through a storm? Jesus, he's a captain. Why, why, why does it seem like he's sleeping? 
Why does it seem like he's taken off from his responsibility? And while we might not would state it publicly, there were probably some secret whispers in our lives where we said, God, do you even care? I say to you, if you've said that or been there in those places, you're in the company of the disciples. Because the disciples, they come to Jesus and they see all that's happening around them. And they begin to ask, do you care? Jesus, why are you sleeping? Jesus, we're being destroyed. I say to you, there are other areas of our lives where we see storms blowing. I'm not going to go too, down, too far down this uh, road, so don't get too uncomfortable. But we see storms blowing all around our nation right now. All around. And I don't care who you are, what political side you're on. Can you not see the storms that are blowing? Can you not see the storms that are blowing and violence itself around us? Corporately. Can you not see how it seems like, God, do you care? When you look at all of the violence, whether it be in a Walmart in El Paso or a concert in Las Vegas or a nightclub in Orlando or a church in Charleston or Sutherland Springs or a school in Newton or Columbine or Blackbird there, a college and beyond that, or even when a World Trade Center, when they come down, do you not see the storms blowing? And how difficult it is for us to try to look at all these things and say, God, it seems like our world itself is shaking. Our boat is rocking. And it's as though we are taking water. But let me bring it a little closer to you personally. How about the moment when the doctor says, I think I saw a spot on that skin. Or maybe it was when your son looks at you and in full rebellion and says he wants nothing to do with the faith that you have espoused, with the faith that you have taught, and they, he fully rejects all that you have shared with him in Christ. Maybe it's when your spouse looks at you and says, this isn't going to work. I say to you that you and I live in a world that's filled with severe, sudden, strong storms. They're all around us. And if they haven't rocked your boat yet, they're going to. So when you said, man, that's very hopeful, Brother Reggie. I came here this morning, you're telling me that storms come in my life. At some point, there will be a storm that will blow into your life, I guarantee you. If you haven't experienced it now, you're going to. And it's going to rock your boat. Jesus is there with you. Don't doubt it. But you're still going to go through a storm. The disciples did. It was a field trip. All of these things happened. So what did they learn? What did they learn? Because if you're going on a field trip, you got to learn something, right? You should. I mean, it should reinforce what's been taught. That's the goal of a field trip. So let me give you these lessons very quickly. The lessons from the field trip with Jesus. First of all, this. When we go through the storms, we need to understand that we can trust him. We can trust in his promise. We can trust in his promise. What do you mean by that? Well, in verse 22, 
What did Jesus say? Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Listen closely. If Jesus says that you're going to go to the other side of the lake, he's going to do whatever it takes to get you to the other side of the lake. If he says, we're going to go to the other side of the lake, you ain't got to worry if a storm comes or not. He's going to get you to the other side of the lake. Doesn't matter what comes your way. You can always trust him. You can always trust his promise. What did he say to them? He said to them, where's your faith? Where's your trust? What did I say? We're going to the other side of the lake. Look in verse 26. I know it wasn't technically in your bulletin to remind you that this was part of our text. And some of you who are very organizational are already aggravated at me because I'm reading a scripture outside of what I said in that bulletin. But I want you to see verse 26. Verse 26 said, Then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes. What does that mean? It means they got to the other side of the lake. He said they were going. They get there. If God makes a promise to you, you can always trust him. If God says he's going to take you somewhere, he's going to take you somewhere. You don't get discouraged by the storms. You don't allow the storms to shake your faith. You just simply believe that he will keep his promise. Again, he didn't say that he would keep the storms away from you, but he has promised that he would go with you through the storms, right? God never in his, new, never in his word said there would be no storms, but he has promised to go with you through it. Even when you don't feel like he's attentive, even when you don't feel like he's seeing exactly what's happening. Again, there have been some times can we be honest with one another? There have been some times when we went through certain patches of our lives and we just were like, all right, God, have you checked out? God, are you hearing my prayer? God, are you paying attention to what's going on in my family? God, are you paying attention to what's going on in my workplace? God, are you paying attention to what's going on in my nation and the world? And I say to you that God always knows. And while, and while we may grow discouraged... We must trust him to fulfill his promise for our lives. If he says he's going to take you somewhere, he's going to take you somewhere. You can trust him. There are going to be people who let you down in this world. You've already experienced some of it. Sometimes the preacher will let you down. Deacons will let you down. Sunday school teachers will let you down. Leaders will let you down. People will let you down. And they will sometimes... They will sometimes... Um, Shake your faith. But you can always count on Jesus to keep his promise to you. Always. So the first lesson, you're going to write it down, right? Because you're on, you're on the field trip. He's giving you a notebook. He said, write this down. You're in the middle of the storm. Trust me when I make a promise to you. Trust me in what I say to you. Trust me. So we can trust him in his promise. That's his first lesson. The second lesson is we can trust in his power. We can trust in his power. I believe that all of these stories are going to be linked together by the Holy Spirit's work as he had specifically spoken to Luke and the other gospel writers. 
Because what you're going to see is the absolute power of Jesus. Absolute power of Jesus over everything that comes against him. Here you see power over nature and disaster. And you can trust it. So what does he do? Uh, the Bible says that Jesus arose. Now again, he was, he was truly human. He was truly God. So I guess as he arose, he was wiping out the stuff of his eyes. He was getting it at water. Like looking around like, what are you doing? What's going on? And the Bible says that he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. The word rebuke means, quote, to command it with a threat. To command it with a threat. I love that image. Because Jesus wakes up and says, what do you think you're doing? What, wind. What do you think you're doing? I was sleeping. You're, by the way, you ever been like sleeping and somebody wake you up? Sometimes little fingers. Right in your eyes. Die. Die. And it is so sweet. But what are you doing waking me up? Don't wake me up. Jesus looks at him. Jesus rebukes. The word is re rebuke. It means to command with a threat. Like if you don't get out of here, wind, if you don't stop this, if you don't stop waking me up, but if you don't stop threatening my disciples, he basically says you better back off. And you better back off now. And the word is decisive. The tense of the verb is like decisive. Like you better do it and you better do it now. You better step back, wind. In the other Gospels, Mark, it says that he says, peace. In other words, be silent. Stop talking. Don't you say another word, wind. That's what he did. And the Bible says that there was a calm after the storm. Isn't that amazing? The disciples thought it was. They, they thought it was. It's amazing. Who, who can do this? The answer is nobody else because Jesus had the power. None of us, none of us have that same type of power one-to-one -one with Jesus. Not, not, I, I know the Holy Spirit's empowered us. I know that. But I'm just telling you that none of us are divine like Jesus. None of us can forgive sins like Jesus can. None of us can, like, steal the water like Jesus can. Jesus had the power to speak to that wind. Why? Because he was the creator of God. He was the one who had created the lake. He created the mountains. He had created, he created all things. The wind itself, he had authority over. He could speak to and say, that's it. No more. And you and I need to believe that Jesus has that type of power. If you, if you can't get this lesson out, well, he's going to reiterate it in the next few episodes, in the next few stops along the field trip. But he wants you to know now, he has the power. He does. Jesus has power. And he still has it today. See, I believe that whatever power we saw in the New Testament is the, is the same power we can experience today. Why? Because Jesus is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So just as he had power over it then, he has power over it now. And the wind has to bow before his authority. 
nature, all of nature, has to bow before its creator. He has the power. So when you're going through a storm, recognize he's going to fulfill his promise to you. But also recognize he has the power to actually fulfill the promise. He's going to do what he said he was going to do, but he has the power to do it. And then the last takeaway, this last lesson, we can trust in his person and who he is. His promise, his power, and in the person of Jesus himself. Who is this? The Bible says that they feared. They were amazed. Now, they've been walking with Jesus. They had seen him in the classroom. They had heard him teach. And yes, he taught with authority. But now on the field trip, they're amazed. They stand in fear. And they say, who can this be? That even the waves and the wind... They obey him. They recognize his full deity. They recognize he's God. Hey, may I suggest something to you and maybe just say it for my benefit as well because I need this. Sometimes the reason God will take you through a storm is so that you can see the awesome display of his power and his work so that you can stand in amazement who he is you know what if he had never taken them on this boat they might have never realized what power he had over nature if he had not allowed them to go through the storm they may have never truly grasp how he could speak to the wind and the waves and there are times God will allow you to go through the storm so that you'll get to the other side and you'll see a power that you never believed was possible because there's a person, a person that has unbelievable strength and power to be able to provide for you and take care of you. Who can this be? Who can this be? I say to you, he is the same God. He is the same God who parted the Red Sea for the people of Israel. He is the same God that stopped the flowing of the Jordan. He is the same God who had confessed himself to the people of Israel as the I am that I am. And just as he had power over water and the flood and all the things of the Old Testament, Jesus said, just note, I have power over water and wind. I have power over nature. You note it because I am God. I am that I am He's right before you. And I say to you this day that he is the I am that I am of our lives. Some of you may be going through storms right now. There's not a day passes that I don't get a text or a message from somebody that they're facing a physical issue or they're facing a relational issue or they're facing so many different things my friends as you go through this storm allow God to teach you let him work in your lives know he's there with you oh I should back up and say this 
If you're going through the storm and the boat's rocking, you better make sure first Jesus is on the boat with you. Because if Jesus is not on the boat with you, it's hard to learn the lessons of promise and power and person. So today, if you're going through a storm, you need to first, you need to make sure Jesus is there with you. And Jesus is willing to bring you into his family. If you just come and confess your sins and repent of your sins, he will bring you into the family. He'll get in the boat right with you. And he'll go with you through it. I didn't say he'd stop the storm right then. I don't know when he'll stop the storm. He has the power to stop it. He can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to promise you that everything's going to be great. But I will promise you he'll get you through the storm. You'll come. Give your life to him. For those of us who have given our lives, let's learn the lessons of the field trip. Let's reaffirm our trust and our faith in him and his promise and in his power. Let us be people who display that, display that faith to others as we go through this storm. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and, and God... Lord, thank you. Thank you for this message. Thank you for these verses that you put right into our canon so that we could be challenged. Because, Lord, to be honest, wow, the winds are blowing. In some of our lives, it feels like the waves are about to consume us. Our boat is rocking. God, right now in this place, there in that gathering, I pray that you would speak in such a loud and powerful way, Lord, a, a word of peace, a word of calm that will elicit our faith and trust in you. God, may today we see your powerful movement. May we see what only you can do. Through your son, the Lord Jesus. And God, help us through this moment of commitment. One, for those who are lost, that they'd come to be saved. They'd just join you in the boat, Lord. And for those who are saved, that we might come to a reaffirmation of that faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?